bringing you around the world right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And I'm back just uh, last night from Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival in France. And uh, for those of you who have not been, I must say this is something that one has to do at least once in a lifetime. I went there um, because I'm in a film called The Pet, and I'll talk to you a little bit more about that later. Um, but if you can imagine a city in the south of France that a beautiful little town that is across between Beverly Hills and Malibu, the main part of which is only about three blocks wide, if you think about three long streets, uh, horizontal streets, and 15 blocks long, if you think of them as vertical streets. And they all curve around facing the water uh, and the yachts in the water, and um, all facing in a curve around as if it were a, um, an auditorium or a theater, around the main uh, building of Cannes, which is called Le Palais. The uh, main street that looks at Le Palais is called La Croisette. And Le Palais is a grouping of buildings. And, of course, if you've been watching um, Cannes on television, I mean, watching about the film festival at Cannes on television, or seeing photos in magazines or in newspapers, the part that you will most likely have seen is the red carpet leading up to Le Palais des Festivals. And that's the theater where the films are screened that are in the competition. There are many uh, films there, but not all of them. There's only a small number that actually are in the competition of the festival. And uh, these main films are then shown in the theater every night. Um, there are two screenings. Uh, every night, and that's where uh, you will have seen people going up the red carpet into these screening, the celebrities, the people who are involved with the particular movie, and um, and other people who are there going up the red carpet into the theater. Um, one of the things, besides the movies that are shown uh, throughout Cannes, is um, the real business of what's going on. And that is uh, the people who come there who are people who are um, uh, people who include and this year uh, the the numbers that I read as far as how many people were there was two twenty thousand twenty thousand people producers, actresses, directors, buyers of movies, distributors, owners and managers of movie theaters, composers, financiers. The media, of course, movie lovers, mostly French, who come uh, travel from their homes in France to come to Cannes, some of them on an annual basis. But much of the work goes on in the networking that is uh, surrounding Le Palais. 
And um, some of this networking goes on in the cafes, the many cafes that are on La Croisette and the other streets. And um, that's where I spent some of my time trying to promote uh, the pet, getting people to come to see the screenings and all. And in that process, um, I met some very interesting people, including a woman who uh, is on the line from France, who um, who happened to be sitting next to me in uh, the Cafe Farfalla, uh, the wonderful place, um, and she was there with a man who named Frederic Cerulli, who was in the paper that day. It was uh, in the Sunday paper, the Con paper. Um, it because he is actually born in or living in, I'll, I'll let uh, Florence tell you about this, but he is from Cannes. It's very unusual to actually have a filmmaker from Cannes, and that was why he's written up. And he ha- is working on his own movie and hopes by next year, the next uh, film festival, to have his amongst those that are being considered for La Palme d'Or, as they call it. Um, the, the main prize. And uh, Florence, welcome to the show. Florence Bernardone is the director of a company called Decide. Success calls success. And, and um, what she does is, um, I guess, I guess Florence, you do this all year round, but partic- it particularly comes in handy for uh, the festival of Cannes, the movie festival. She does rentals of things from villas, penthouses, offices, yachts, limousines, castles, jets, and helicopters. In case you want to rent one of those, you go to Florence. She also um, has, provides personnel such as technical crew and security guides, security and guides and hostesses and models and translators. And um, she works on um, events from the concept to the logistics, the catering, etc. And she works in PR, and as um, the publicist for Frederic Cerulli, the um, man from Cannes who is hoping to have his film in the festival next year, she was with him and um, doing her doing good work as a publicist, <laughs> trying to promote trying to promote his film. And it seemed so interesting that I thought I would bring them to you—a real taste of the real flavor of Cannes, not. Um, you know, a little behind-the-scenes look, not what you're going to see anywhere else um, in the typical kinds of television shows or, or, or pictures that you'll get from the red carpet. So, Florence, with that introduction, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Carol, and uh, I was very happy to welcome you to Cannes last week. I hope you enjoyed it, and uh, you really gave a good description of the atmosphere that is so unique in Cannes during this uh, activity that is so international at this time of the year. And I was uh, really happy to uh, to see you and meet you, and I'm very happy and very honored to be online. Thank you so much for inviting me. Well, you're welcome. Perhaps you could, before we talk about Frederick's film, maybe you could fill in um, some of the some additional information about Cannes and the film festival. Um, how long have you been working there or you know, do you live in Cannes? We didn't really get to that when we were when we were talking. Yes, sure. Yes, I live in Cannes. Uh, I've been living now for eleven years in Cannes, but I've been uh, 
in this business for now 20 years, and uh, what we really do is uh, that uh, we promote uh, the businesses of the exhibitors and delegates during these trade shows. Um, there are about 11 trade shows during the year in Cannes, and uh, obviously we do that also in France and worldwide. But what is so special about Cannes is that it's such a cosmopolitan and international event. It's actually the second event that is so meditized and publicized worldwide after the Olympic Games hmm. because you've got about 3,000 media present there. You've got many professionals from all over the world trying to come and sell, as you so explained it so well. They're coming to sell, they're coming to promote, to buy. There are some... Um, People trying to come um, just to promote themselves as actors, as uh, promoters. Uh, so it's a very interesting crowd that is so uh, cosmopolitan and uh, so diverse that uh, you get to know people from uh, the four corners of the world. And it's a little world within Cannes for 12 days that is very hectic and, as you notice, living 24 hours a day because they've got screenings all day long, starting from 8 o'clock in the morning until 2 uh, o'clock in the night. So, therefore, for film lovers, it's a wonderful opportunity to come and see offer films from feature films and short and short as well. Um, that makes it uh, a very, very interesting moment of, um, of Cannes. That's why uh, we really appreciate this moment, and that's what it makes it so special as well. And uh, it's a very interesting commercial platform because not only the promoter can itself, but you will notice that there is an international pavilion where all the uh, film commissions are present, like we've got the Australian Film Commission, the Canadian Film Commission, the Scandinavian Film Commission, where they also promote their own film festivals. So it really is an international film platform where everybody involved in the film industry can come and make their own business network in, in a very, very acute and professional way. You obviously get the crowd around it, that is the non-professional crowd, which will be the fans, which will be the uh, lovers, which will be uh, the people that would like to get involved in the crowd, which make it a very uh, unusual mix where you get the crowd and where you get the professionals actually gathered together. That's why I really love this moment. It's very special. And I really think you did get the taste of it. <laughs> Yes, you know, it was, um, it was fascinating to see the people who, who come and gather at La Quazette. I mean, of course, the, for the two screenings at night for when, when many of the celebrities come and walk the red carpet, but even also at the hotels, the main hotels like the Majestic or the Hilton or the Carlton, where, um, a lot of the celebrities stay, and you, every you, when you go by there, they're waiting outside to uh, to see people, and it's really yeah. people who are so devoted mm -hmm. um, to to films as well, not just you know because these people are celebrities, but um, I actually people who actually come there to see the films. Well, that music means we have to take a break. Sure. So uh, so we will do that, and we will be back. My guest today is Florence Bernardon. She is uh, an 11-year native of Cannes <laughs> and um, also involved with one of the films that we'll be talking about when we come back. 
Um, you've been listening you. to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Stay tuned. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. Want to break in the action? Join us Thursdays, 8 to 9 a.m. and again from 8 to 9 p.m. for the L.A. Underground Comedy Show, hosted by stand-up comedian Ralph Benson, who also co-produces Comedy, Beer, Sex Appeal, Santa Monica's premier weekly stand-up comedy showcase at 14 Below. Originally from Rochester, New York, Ralph has been a bartender in Hollywood for over six years and is a veteran of the Los Angeles nightlife scene. If you've partied in L.A. since a millennium, chances are he's probably gotten you drunk. So untuck your shirt and have a stiff belt with Ralph's no-holds-barred approach with L.A. Underground Comedy Show on the Voice America channel, beginning May 25th and every Thursday from 8 to 9 a.m. and again at 8 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on voiceamerica.com. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you're listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkgaard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkgaard every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Pacific Time. Invoke thought, feeling, and inspiration into your life right here on voiceamerica.com. Education, healthcare, environmental protection, the war in Iraq, taxes, poverty, abortion, the economy, crime, social security, it's all around us. What are the key issues? How does it affect you? Whether you stand to the left of the political aisle or to the right, make your point with Melanie Brenner. Is your platform for straight political talk without an agenda? Melanie, one of the top Democratic strategic communications experts in the country, and her guests, political staffers and consultants behind the elected officials, as well as arts and entertainment icons, discuss the issues relevant to our day-to-day lives. Make your point with Melanie Brenner, broadcast each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, on the Voice America Channel. Don't just sit there. Make your point. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at one 866 472-5788. Now back to the show. Here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, back just just last night, flew in from Cannes, the Cannes Film Festival, because um, I was helping to promote a film that I play a supporting role in called The Pet. And this is my first time at Cannes. Um, at the film festival, or at Cannes altogether, actually. I lived in France for two and a half years, but uh, in Paris, but I never quite got down to Cannes. And boy, was that a mistake after seeing Cannes. Even if you don't can't go during the film festival, you must go to Cannes. It is the most, the sweetest, uh, most beautiful place, um, one of the most beautiful places, but it's just, it's just very, very special. And um, I would definitely encourage all of you, whether you can come for the film festival, which is especially special, or not, just to come down to this town. You know, my guest today, I've been talking with Florence Bernadon, who is um, the director of a company called Decide, or Decide in French, um, in which she helps people 
organize their promotions uh, for festivals like Khan and then the, the other festivals that come to Khan. Um, I was, uh, we were talking before about what, what it really is like because I know that um, from, from watching television or, or looking at pictures in, the, uh, in magazines and newspapers, what we really see of Khan is mostly just uh, the people, the celebrities on the red carpet, and that is so not... Uh, what the Cannes Film Festival is about. I mean, yes, that's a part of it, but there is so much more excitement that is going through every other place there as well. It's not just about celebrities walking up the stairs to see a movie. And that's what I'm trying to bring you today, uh, the real story of what goes on in the streets, behind the scenes at Cannes, and Florence is helping me do that. Florence also represents um, Frederick Cerulli, who is a... Um, a filmmaker who actually comes from Cannes, and we'll be talking about that. Um, but before we do that, I wanted to ask you, Florence, did you have a chance to see any of the movies there? Yes, Carol. Uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you very much for welcoming back, sorry, to, to your um, show, which I find very, very interesting. And again, once again, thank you very much for inviting me. I had the chance, actually, to um, screen The Da Vinci Code, which is this wonderful movie from this uh, extraordinary book from Dan Brown. And um, I must say that although the media was quite uh, critical by the movie, I personally did like it because I think that it's quite difficult to put this book on the screen um, if uh, you've read it because uh, it's an interesting book, obviously, but it's a very uh, thick book and very rich. So it's not always easy to put it on screen. And I think they did manage very well to do it. And I was very pleased to see that uh, the public actually liked it better than the media. Well, well, wait. <laughs> it's good that you brought that up. Actually, the Da Vinci Code played the first night of the opening of Cannes. It and, did indeed, yeah. And uh, we were apparently amongst the uh, very fortunate ones. That was the hot ticket of the week. And um, somehow we both managed to do that. And I, I actually have a different opinion, though. <laughs> I, I didn't read the book, so I can't comment on that. But, um, you know, before, before I saw the movie that day, Tom Hanks and all the other, many of the other people involved with the movie were on a panel. Um, I was, at the time, standing on the accreditation line <laughs> down in the basement of La Ballet <laughs> trying to get my credentials to be able to see the rest of the festival. And so they had, the, um, they had television screens with the, with the panel going on. Unfortunately, they had the um, sound turned off, so I couldn't really listen to it. But what I did notice was that Tom Hanks looked very depressed. And I was thinking, huh, I wonder why he seems so depressed. And then I thought, well, you know, when I found out that the reviews hadn't really been very good, I thought, well, maybe, well, wait, I guess that was before the reviews, but that, there was criticism of it, certainly before. There, there still is a lot of criticism of, of the topic. And I thought, well, maybe he's kind of disappointed that he, there's so much hostility towards the film. But then, yes. in the film, he actually seemed depressed in the film as well. I I didn't like it. I thought that it was uh, much ado about nothing. Um, you know, I, I think that if, of course, a lot of religious people got very angry because of the subject matter, and and you know that's certainly understandable. But um, I think if they had seen the film before they started. 
doing, talking about it or criticizing it, they would have realized that the film wasn't that powerful. I mean, I don't think we really have to worry about people seeing that film and thinking that there really is a descendant of Jesus. But what do you think? I really think that uh, we've got to, uh, to um, realize that a book is a book and you read it for the pleasure of reading. Same thing with a film. You're not there to actually learn something. You just go there for entertainment and that's the way you must look at a movie. And obviously you're not there to go to school or to go to religious classes. You just go there to appreciate or not appreciate a movie. And I think that the problem with the Da Vinci Code book and the Da Vinci Code movie that everybody was expecting for a lesson or for a class. And uh, we've got to remember that uh, it's an art. Uh, filmmaking is an art, and you've got to consider it as an art, which means that you either like it or you don't like it, but don't make a judgment. Uh, just keep it for yourself and just appreciate it as a seventh art. And uh, that's what I'd like to put as my message okay. towards this. Well, did you see the movie um, Valvar? Valvar? Unfortunately, that's the one I couldn't see because I was actually working on a boat, making, uh, organizing a party for some of my clients. But oh, I that sounds that's how unfortunate! <laughs> that really sounds like it must have been awful. <laughs> uh, but uh, we need uh, to keep in touch for next year so you can get me into some of those parties on boats. <laughs> You're most welcome, Carol. But uh, my friends went to actually screening and they absolutely loved it. They really loved. Yes, I saw that. That was the other movie of the main movies in the competition that I saw. I got to walk the red carpet twice. Very exciting. Of course, you know, talking about the red carpet, one thing I didn't realize um, until until actually doing it the second time, because I guess I got in a lot earlier, when people, once people walk up the red carpet and take their seats in the theater, there's a big screen in the theater. Mm-hmm. where you get to watch all the other people <laughs> walking up the red carpet. And that's right. It's the making off of the red carpet. <laughs> <laughs> so when you walk up that red carpet, you really have to uh, be on your best. Uh, you know, you have to look look your best all the time because it's not just the people standing there that are watching you, but it's the screen in the theater itself and um, in front of the of Le Palais. Absolutely. There are two enormous screens outside the palace so the, the crowd can actually watch the uh, the cast of the movie and obviously the people going to watch it. And inside uh, there is also this screen so you can watch yourself coming in. So you've got to have your star smile and you've got to you have to do the best uh, makeup and uh, making of the best of yourself so you look a star yourself. That's why it's such a wonderful experience for everybody to walk up the red carpet. And one thing you must know about it, Carol, is that every day they actually change this carpet. It's a brand new carpet uh-huh. every day. <laughs> no wonder it looks so clean. <laughs> That's right. Well, yes, so uh, with Valvar, the um, movie with Penelope Cruz uh, directed by Pedro Almodovar, mm-hmm. um, that was a very good movie. I really did like that. And, um, of course, we're not going to give the plot of anything away, but um, what was really sweet after that was that after the movie, um, they, the director and the main characters, Penelope Cruz and, and the other women who were the main characters, um, and who were sitting right in the front at, during the movie, uh, watching the movie, um, stood up, and of course there was a standing ovation 
which there wasn't, by the way, for the Da Vinci Code. People clapped. I was at the 1130 uh, screening of the Da Vinci Code, and people clapped sort of politely, but there was no standing ovation. Mm-hmm. But with um, with Volvar, there was, and what was, and you, you also they had that screen with the close-ups on, now on on the people from the movie, and it was really sweet to see them be so touched. Penelope Cruz was crying, and you could just see how touched they were that um, they had put so much into it and that they were getting this kind of appreciation from the crowd. Sure. I mean, Pedro Almodovar is a great director and he's always made very sensitive movies, very emotional, involving a lot of feelings from uh, personal people and all their characters are so unique. He he knows how to find some interesting uh, topics and obviously this one was another interesting topic. But as you said, we're not going to... uh, and discover what it is. We let the people go and find it by themselves. <laughs> yes, I hope, um, uh, I mean, it's called The Return, and it has to do with family, and it has to do with sisters, and it, has, <laughs> and that's, and, and, um, and it takes place um, in Spain, and it's just a very, it's just a character study of these people, and it's, but, but with a unique twist, a very unique twist, and uh, that, makes it, that makes it really very interesting all the way through. Um, you know, one of the things that that struck me again because this was my first time at Cannes. Um, you know, by the way, it was. <laughs> let me tell all of you, it was a little overwhelming because it's one thing um, to go to Cannes and just sort of be there to enjoy it and to enjoy the movies and to enjoy meeting people from all over the world and and all of that. You know, there's just so much to and, and the place and there's just so much to to actually enjoy to take in and enjoy. But it was a little, um, <laughs> I was sort of overwhelmed at, uh, at times because I wasn't just there to enjoy it, you know, per se, but I was also there to help promote the film that I was in. So mm-hmm. I was there to meet people and talk to uh, distributors and people who might buy the movie and the media who might write about the movie. So I was sort of there with a purpose, with an agenda, and I couldn't just sit back and, and go to movies from 8 in the morning until 2 in the uh, uh, in the morning. Yes, um, unfortunately, I'm the same as you because we've got to, to promote our, our, our respective films. Um, but this is very frustrating because there are so great movies to be watched. But uh, we'll see it um, in the future. At the moment, you were very busy promoting the pet, and I was uh, I'm busy promoting uh, Le Commande des Mortels. <laughs> and that's what we're going to talk about when we come back. <laughs> we'll be talking about that movie and and. Um, your involvement with it and, and what it's about and uh, and how he's doing. Frederic Cerulli, remember that name. You might hear it next year on the red carpet. <laughs> so when we come back from our break, we will talk about that and, um, uh, and more about what's been going on, the real story behind Khan. <laughs> so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. My guest is Florence Bernardone from the... She's the director of De Seed um, and... Uh, she has to do all kinds of heavy lifting, like uh, sitting on boats and promoting people's movies. <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, you're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com. 
Hello, this is Rory Garay, President of Greyhound Pets of America and host of Greyhounds Made Great Pets on Voice America. Join me every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific and 2 p.m. Eastern for an insightful and enjoyable talk about one of man's best friends, the Greyhound. Learn about the history of the Greyhound, discuss proper obedience and training techniques, and find out more about the Greyhound racing industry and what they are doing to help the adoption effort of the former race stars. If you own a Greyhound or just love dogs like I do, join me for Greyhounds Make Great Pets every Friday at 11 a.m. Pacific, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Go beyond success and discover a deeper meaning to life. Join host Jeffrey Gitterman and his guests, the premier thought leaders in business, politics, science, spirituality, and culture, who have reached the pinnacle of financial and professional attainment in their fields, only to discover a profound lack of fulfillment with what our culture defines as success. So won't you tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time to Jeffrey Gitterman and Beyond Success, redefining the meaning of prosperity, right here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. This week on Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo, our guest is Jamie Bamber. You'll know him from Battlestar Galactica. He plays Leah Dama. We talk about Battlestar Galactica and get a look inside of Jamie's life. Of course, we'll cover all the sci-fi news for the week as usual. That's Slice of Sci-Fi with Michael and Evo. Bringing you around the world, right from your desktop. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, just back from the Cannes Film Festival, where I have been unabashedly, <laughs> unashamedly <laughs> promoting my film, my film. I play a supporting role. I play the wife of the main character uh, in The Pet. I'll tell you a little bit about that. But um, uh, my, my guest, Florence Bernardon, is uh, the director of Seed, which is um, a company that does everything from helping you to rent a penthouse or a castle, or a limo, or a helicopter, um, to helping you if you're making a movie and you need crew or um, translators or anything like that, and helping you to uh, create events if you are in con promoting your movie. So before the break, we started talking about um, the Frederic Cerulli, who you are working with and who I met uh, with you in a uh, cafe across the street from La Palais, um, and he, he was all excited. You were both all excited because he had just gotten uh, a big spread in the newspaper of Cannes, the French newspaper of Cannes, because he is a Cannois. He is a, a, I guess, a native Can person who lives in Cannes, or did, does is he, or did he move there? No, no, he's actually from uh, Cannes. And all the crew is, is from Cannes, which is very unusual because usually we welcome everybody worldwide to Cannes. And there are a few um, Cannois, people from Cannes, that actually are directors or crew. 
And the set is also in a little village um, in the back uh, from Cannes. Uh, that's where the film is set. So uh, it's quite unusual. And uh, effectively, a lot of the media from uh, the area were interested in uh, talking about Frédéric Cyrilli and his uh, film. Yes, you know, even if next year his film doesn't get into the actual competition, it will get so much publicity because of the fact that he is a Canois, that he is a native mm-hmm. person from Cannes. I mean, I, I hope that it will be good as well and gets that kind of publicity, but even just the fact that he managed um, to not just be a spectator there, sure. but to be influenced to... Um, have a career in filmmaking, which is special. So why don't you tell us about his movie? Mm-hmm. His movie is called uh, Le Commun des Mortels, which uh, we could translate as the common of the mortals, uh, which would mean just uh, an ordinary person. And what is interesting about this movie is that uh, Frédéric Cyrilli actually looked into the private lives of a small village that is very uh, embedded in its traditions. And suddenly uh, there is uh, someone that comes in the village and changes everything because uh, there is a suspicious uh, um, trend in this village that people die with suspicious conditions. And it's simply because uh, there is um, a, just uh, some people that have decided to actually take advantage of uh, ordinary people to make money out of them. And it's a psychology study about um, this power of the money over the people who have got some uh, values and are thinking, should I do it, not should I do it, uh, because of the money. Uh, so it's an interesting study about uh, human beings in a small village um, where you're not sure of getting out once you come in. Uh-huh. And do you know um, where he got the idea from? Um for this story, I mean, where I mean, as a psychiatrist, one of the things that I do is actually I'm a technical consultant on movies and television shows, and so I'm always fascinated with um, what part of the writer's life he has brought to to a movie or to a television show. Do you know um, what happened to him personally that that made him feel passionate about this topic? Um, he's personally uh, himself a journalist uh, and uh, cameraman, so uh, he's been filming a lot of uh, events, um, which are tragic events to happy events, like weddings, which would be unhappy events to tragical events like accidents. Um, and uh, what is interesting to him is to actually study the um, couples, uh, relations between men and women. And that's why he was interested in putting up towards uh, this uh, subject in a village, uh, in a small village, just to make it like a little uh, uh, village uh, that would uh, show what could happen in someone's life, uh, but putting it into the aspect of um, one spot in um, in the backwards of Cannes, in a small village. Um, so that's where you got the idea from. Well, it's, uh, it sounds like it will be very interesting. I will hope to be there next year and uh, look forward to seeing it. You know, one of the things that I noticed about uh, the movies that were shown, first of all, the first, the main thing that, that strikes you is that 
Um, these movies, I, I did see a number of movies. I mean, sometimes it was late at night when I was too tired to approach yet another person to tell them to go see the pet. Um, I would, I would see a movie. And I loved the movies. I mean, some of them were better than others, but on the most, for, for the most part, these movies were so much better than the kinds of movies that we see in the typical kind of, um, mainstream movie house in America. Uh, that is the thing that just really hit me right from the beginning, that any of these would have been better than much of what goes on in these mainstream movie uh, houses. And it's so unfortunate because um, so many of these movies that, that are so good um, will be lucky to get into wide theatrical distribution. So many of them will just either go to DVD or will be in art houses and very few people will see them. And, um, and that's just, you know, it, it's just really unfortunate that the, the big studios control, uh, with big money, control what um, the majority of us see. Because, yes. because the, the movies that played at Cannes, the little movies or, you know, the, the independent movies, um, I didn't see any gratuitous violence. Uh, most of them were um, only violent in a psychological way, in the sense that they were in a good and in a good way, violent in that they disturb you, they disturb your preconceptions, they disturb um, you by by bringing out topics that you might not have thought about, or at least not for you know an hour and a half or two and a half hours, and um, to- about topics like sexual abuse, infidelity, death, human trafficking, and pets. That you know, obviously, with my movie, the pet. But um, but they were they were very thoughtful movies. They made you sit there and think. Sometimes they made you squirm in your seat because you were uncomfortable, but you were thinking, and it was it was very useful to your life because to to have to be uh, to have to confront some of these things and to uh, to think about them. And it just bothers me that that more people will not be exposed to these little treasures that there were. I agree with you, Carol. That's why it's a great opportunity to go to the screenings all day long because you got some, as you say, independent films like offer films. And um, once you have the chance to see them, you really want to see more of them. And this is one of the reasons why I did support this movie, because it's an independent movie, it's an offer movie, and uh, the, the message is very important because there are a lot of values in this movie about remorse, about greed, and about why people are actually motivated to do bad things. And then you've got the um, lessons to take from these movies where people have to think about it. Why should I do that just for money? Or did I do it because of passion, because of love? And as you say, it's a great reflection. And um, we hope that uh, this movie, because first of all, it's got a great cast, French cast with uh, good actors and uh, a good setting. The um, screenplay is excellent. The scenario is very good. And uh, we really believe that this movie is interesting, first of all, because the actors actually participated before doing this movie in a short, uh, which was also a psychological uh, short. Yes, I uh, wanted to ask you about that, actually. It was called La Pan. That's right. Um, meaning? 
Latan is uh, um, meaning when, when you, you, the traffic jam. Well, tombe on pan when you break in, when you're broken down. Yes, when you're broken down. That's exactly that. And um, what is uh, about Lapin is simply a psychological drama within a couple and how a couple uh, resists with the time and with the boredom. And uh, what, where, far, how far can you go into a couple to make it live uh, long? And it's a very, very interesting movie about what can you do for love. You can do a lot of bad things like you can do a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. And this is what about uh, La Panne is about. And did La Panne play in, uh, at Cannes before? Uh, actually, it was uh, in the Aubine Festival, which is a very famous festival for shorts, and it did receive uh, an award. Hmm. Oh, well, that's great. Well, <laughs> then, uh, then that bodes well. Well, why don't we uh, take a break now, and when we come back, I will, uh, I will give. We, we can talk more about some of the movies, and also, and, and some of the ambiance. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll also give a little tease to my listeners as to what the pet is about because I'm going to be doing a show on that in the future, uh, a radio show. We'll have a whole show devoted to that with some of the people involved. But I'll give you a little taste of it. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. We're talking about behind the scenes at Con with my guest, Florence Bernadon. So stay tuned. Unlimited talk at your fingertips, voiceamerica.com. West Coast Business Review and host Amy Campbell presents Show Me the Business. Each week, you'll hear exciting guests give you vital information on advancing your business and career. Learn how others have built their empires, from best-selling authors to renowned entertainers. Listen every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern, 12 noon Pacific time on voiceamericaradio.com. Visit our website at www.westcoastbusinessreview.com. West Coast Business Reviews, show me the business, connecting you to the business world. Want to break in the action? Join us Thursdays, 8 to 9 a.m. and again from 8 to 9 p.m. for the L.A. Underground Comedy Show, hosted by stand-up comedian Ralph Benson, who also co-produces comedy, beer, sex appeal, Santa Monica's premier weekly stand-up comedy showcase at 14 Below. Originally from Rochester, New York, Ralph has been a bartender in Hollywood for over six years and is a veteran of the Los Angeles nightlife scene. If you've partied in L.A. since a millennium, chances are he's probably got you drunk. So untuck your shirt and have a stiff belt with Ralph's no-holds-barred approach with L.A. Underground Comedy Show on the Voice America channel, beginning May 25th and every Thursday from 8 to 9 a.m. and again at 8 to 9 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on voiceamerica.com. The results indicate your child has neuroblastoma. There's evidence of metastasis. We need to schedule a bone we'll need to perform a surgery. After you hear your child has cancer, chances are you don't hear anything else. CureSearch.org connects you to the most comprehensive research and advice on childhood cancer and to other families who know exactly what you're going through. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council. The powerhouse of Internet Talk Radio, VoiceAmerica.com. 
Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking about what goes on behind the scenes at Khan. My guest today is Florence Bernardon. She is the director of Decide, and uh, which includes representing Frederic Cerulli in his new movie, Le Comment des Mortels. Um, I'll give you a little peek at uh, the movie that I play a supporting role in. It's called The Pet, and I play the wife of the main character that is played by an, a French actor, Pierre Dulat, who lives in America. The director is Dee Stevens, who, based upon The Pet, just uh, got offered to direct a movie about um, the life of Marvin Gaye with a $40 million budget. <laughs> I hope he remembers his friends. <laughs> the movie was also produced by uh, Tricoast Productions, and the distributor there um, who has a booth, uh, there are some floors where the distributors have booths so that people can go and buy the movies so that they can put them on their screens all over the world, and that was Arsenal. And we were all there um, trying to get as, as many people to see the screenings of the pet as possible. It was actually screened uh, twice. It was in Le Palais, the festival, the main palais. Not obviously, you did not have to walk up a red carpet to get there, but it was still in the mm-hmm. palais, <laughs> which uh, which I was thrilled about. And then it also played a few days later in the Hotel Grey d'Albion because some of the hotels in Cannes also played some of the. Uh, movies and, and all the cinema uh, rooms as well in the city of Cannes. Oh yes, yes. Actually, I, I didn't know that until I was reading about it on the plane going home that they were actually also in the Cannes cinemas. Um, and uh, what the story is a is about? It's it's a true story, and uh, it's about uh, on the one hand the background is human trafficking, and the director was trying to um, actually he. He got interested in this story because he was um, he's a photojournalist, and he was asked to uh, look into human trafficking by magazines, I think it was Time and or Newsweek. And when he started doing the research for this, he just got blown away by the fact that every day, every day in every country, thousands of people are involved um, in human trafficking, either being stolen, kidnapped off the streets, and uh, sold um, for to be slaves, to be sex slaves, to be work slaves, to be pets, human pets, um, to be whatever people's uh, psyche can come up with, and then other countries where where um, these kinds of, uh, in other words, people are being bought and sold every day, literally. And there are even websites devoted to this where you can call, you can go to the website and order, um, you know, 10,000 people if you want them to do some kind of work or, or, uh, or one person or, and, and this is actually going on all over the world today. And it's, it's just, um, it's just very, <laughs> It's just very sad, and it's very, it's hard to believe. Scary. It's scary. I mean, isn't it, isn't it, you know, when I started telling people about this, when I would go around and talk to them, um, people found it hard to believe that this was actually still going on, and particularly hard to believe that this was going on in America. You know, so a lot of people are, are in such denial in our country, although I must admit 
that I really didn't know about the extent of this problem or the fact that some people are are used as human pets um, before the fa- before I got involved with the film either. Um, it is so underground, and yet uh, paradoxically, it's on the internet. So, um, so this is something that the the director, who is also the writer of this film, wants people to to get to know and hopefully to do something about because. You know, I, I don't know. In France, do, do they have? In America, they have um, on milk cartons and on postcards that you get in the mail uh, pictures of missing, mostly missing children. Yes, unfortunately, we do get that as well in France. Yes, actually, I do remember seeing that in the airport, in the Nice airport, mm-hmm. um, the last time uh, that, that. Yes, and it is so sad. And of course. You know, most of these children are never heard from again, and some of them are just individual crimes, people, you know, um, who... uh many crimes, yeah. Well, that, and then also just people who have sexual perversions, who mm-hmm. uh, who kidnap and then mur- sexually abuse and then uh, murder these children. But there is also a huge amount, not just of children, but of, of adults, who are actually stolen because they are then transported across... Uh, out of the country and to other countries, um, as as one would sell a pound of beef. Mm. I mean, it, it's just very, very sad. So that's the background of this movie, and the story of it is um, sort of the main individual story is of this woman who is not stolen or kidnapped, but who has had a very um, uh, sad childhood, a very disruptive childhood. Um, and who has never really had someone to take care of her and who willingly gives up her freedom to become a man's pet. And um, that's pretty much all I'll talk about now But uh, in regard to the storyline. But, you know, many of you, I'm sure, are thinking, now, what? <laughs> Why would somebody do that? But, you know, the more um, difficult and complicated and, and scary our world is becoming, and has become, um, the, the more tempting it is for someone who just scrapes by to um, like the idea of being totally taken care of by another person. Um, you don't have to worry about your food or your water. Um, yes, you do have to go around naked with a collar, but um, that seems to, to those people like a small price to pay for the idea that you are going to be um, always taken care of and you don't have to worry about taking care of yourself. I mean, it is an an interesting psychological study of of the people who are involved in in all the different aspects and in the contrast between why someone would give their freedom up voluntarily versus these other people whose freedom is taken away because they are kidnapped and sold in human trafficking. So... um, that uh, so the message was something that I uh, felt good about getting involved in. You know, the trailer um, and and the beginning of the movie shows these. Um, there's some nudity, obviously, in it, but it is not. You know, once you once you start watching it, you'll you see that it's not. There's not. It's not really a sexual film in regard to the pets, um, but it's more about. Uh, you know, this study of what would make someone become each of the char- characters. And um, so I, I was pleased to to be involved with promoting this message because I would hope that people around the world would wake up to the fact that um, 
that there are so many people who are just being bought and sold and and uh and that something more does need to be done about it so um so, so I don't know if it's ever going to be on a big screen, but we are hoping at least that it will be um, in various art houses all over the world, and that's what they've been working towards. So, um, Florence, why don't you, I don't know if you have any comment on any of that, but... I think it's a very interesting subject because, as you say, people need to have some recognition and uh, when you don't get love, you're, you're you're prepared to do anything for it. Yes, yes, that you know that that is um, that is a, such an international theme, a basic theme, and that is actually it's about the unconditional love um, that that people are that we're all looking for, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and yes, it's it's unfortunate that people do wind up going to some extremes in the search of that love because that really is what motivates all of us. Um, you know, that's the bottom line motivation that for all of us in, in all that we do. But what I think is important, my personal feeling, is that uh, it's always better to give than to expect to receive. But if you, Because if you give, you're happy within yourself. But if you expect from the others, you'll always be dependent sentimentally. And that's when you get some... Uh, derivations where you you cannot master yourself and you're ready to do anything for it. So the best thing really is to construct yourself, to make yourself happy in self, and then you'll be happy with the others. But uh, if you're not happy within yourself, you'll never be happy with the others. Yes, yes. And I must say, a lot of people in Khan look pretty happy. <laughs> <laughs> we are indeed, and we're very lucky because the weather is wonderful. And you, you're working on the beach, you're working on the terrace of a cafe, you're working on a boat, you're working in offices, you're working on terraces. So it's a very, very pleasant timing of the year. And well, I, you know, I mean, I think the people who were trying to, um, who were trying, who were there on business and trying to get things done, you know, obviously there's stress in that, but at the same time, it's in such a beautiful setting. And the people themselves, you know, who live, what I meant was the people who live in Cannes, um, are just, I spoke to quite a lot of them and they were just so happy to be there that, um, that in itself, that really adds to a visitor coming there for the festival because you feel that in everything from the hotel to the cafe to the people on the street to the people sitting next to me in the movie who were, who were just, you know, um, uh, people coming to see the movie. They weren't involved in film, you know, as filmmakers, but they just loved movies. I mean, all of that really, uh, comes through and, uh, it's just a, such an appreciation. I, I just, I just would like to change um, this, the fact that that it's not these kinds of movies that get the most attention commercially. That has to be changed. Well, you and I have to figure out how to do that before next year, yes, <laughs> and we can have a party on a boat. <laughs> we can have a party on a boat to promote that idea. <laughs> sure, we will with pleasure. It's true that um, we are very privileged to live in this area because. Um, Although it's a very uh, professional uh, platform, it's in a very relaxed atmosphere. Yes. Well, give my regards to Frédéric Cerulli, the uh, Thank director. Thank you so much, Carol. <laughs> the director of Le Commande des Mortels, and remember that name because we'll hopefully be hearing that 
um, next year, by next year, next Cannes Film Festival. And thank you very much for joining me. And I'm jealous that you're still here and I had to go back to work. <laughs> well, you're most welcome to come back and to all your um, listeners as well. Well, thank you. And if you've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, I hope uh, today you've gotten a, not only a little peek behind the scene, behind the red carpet, more of what Khan is really all about. And certainly my guest, Florence Bernadon, the director of They Seed, or in English, They Decide, um, has helped you do that as well. But uh, I really would, whether you're involved as filmmakers or not, I really would encourage you to try to make Khan your destination at least once in your life. Because that's where you're going to see all the uh, all the really meaningful movies. And in the meantime, check out wherever you live. Check out the art houses in your town, because um, you know perhaps you haven't done that very much or at all. But those are where the movies are that uh, really have something to say. And that's all that I have time to say. <laughs> You've been listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.